0: Hey, guys, Steele here with just an introduction for this classic episode, which is with a great guy and a guy that was a great Star Wars fan and who got the dream job of working on the set of Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, Glenn Sheridan. Now, unfortunately, Glenn isn't with us anymore, and that is a such, such a bummer. Um, last year he took his own life and I really miss him. I, to be honest, met him in person twice. I met him at Galaxy Fest when we did the live episode and then we arranged to meet up and I went to his house out of Sydney and we recorded this awesome, awesome chat, which is just, this is, it's such a good, I- it's really cool, the chat. Like, the stories he tells, the excitement and the enthusiasm. It's amazing. And I I so wish he was still around, just so I could be so fun to record how excited we are for the new film. Because he was already so pumped for it. And, yeah, I, you know, it's just, listen, it's fine- to be down and, you know, people go through bad spells and stuff. But things, the only way things can pick up is if you stick with it. And if you're in Australia and if you're ever feeling in a dark place, I want you to either go to www.beyondblue.org.au or call their number Thirteen hundred twenty-two forty-six thirty-six, and I'm sure there's similar organisations all around the world. But things will pick up, and man, there's some dude that met you twice that wishes you are still around. So, um, yeah, let's celebrate! What a great guy! What a funny guy! what a just a great Star Wars fan Glenn Sheridan was with this classic episode which I normally would I, I'm putting up the classic episodes on the supporter page and then I got to Glenn's one and I was like it's not, not right just to leave this here it should be out on the, the public feed for everyone to check out so I'm putting this on, on the Bandcamp and on iTunes and the website as a classic episode so um Glenn, I I wish you were still here with us, man. I wish we could share in the excitement and I know um whatever everyone believes, but I'd like to think that he'll be watching with us at midnight on the seventeenth and uh having a an awesome time. But it'd be way better if you were sitting in the cinema. So um Take care of yourselves, you guys, and speak up if you need a hand to get up. Legit, you guys, legit. Um, but now let's enjoy just the pure delight in Glenn's tales from the set of Episode Two. It is, it is a great, great chat, great stories. And a great guy. Enjoy it and may that force be with you. Hey guys, welcome to This Isn't The Podcast You're Looking For. I am Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. Now, a very exciting episode today, especially if you listen to the live episode at Galaxy Fest. You might have been wondering. Who this Glenn Sheridan that Ronnie Chang kept giving shout-outs to... <laughs> he was picking on me. <laughs> well, he's here yeah. to tell us who he is and what he's about. He was a props dresser on Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. You might have heard of it. A little independent film. they just whipped a up. One you, just whipped up in Sydney. Welcome,
2: Glenn. Thank you. Thank you. Um,
0: why did Ronnie have such a fascination with you?
2: I have no idea. Um, he just on me relentlessly. <laughs> it was good though. He's a good he, bloke.
0: He's, um, I'm fascinated trying to analyse what goes on in his brain, because what comes out of his mouth is pretty good, but how did it get
2: there? The guy's crazy.
0: So we're in Sydney. I'm up here uh, doing some stand-up shows and some live podcasts, my other podcast, I Love Green Guide Letters, and we're near Liverpool. Uh, and you just picked me up from the Liverpool station. Yes. Quite a Tatooine vibe down there.
2: Oh, hell yeah. Yep, <laughs> yep. As I said, you're probably going to see drug dealers and the drug busts and the police dogs and everything. It's fun.
0: Yeah, well, I was involved in all those things. <laughs> it was, It was quite an afternoon. And you're saying that the police station is like the most shot-at police station. Oh, Green
2: Valley, which is 10 minutes from here, it's the most shot-at, but but the the Crim's are so shit that they've never actually shot anyone. Maybe
0: they're, they're just stormtroopers. Oh, they just, a, just can't aim.
2: Absolutely, they're stormtroopers. You know, WRXs <laughs> with their <laughs> doof-doof music and shoot a couple of shots at the cop shop.
0: Excellent. Now, let's talk a bit of Star Wars. That's yep. why we're here to, to listen to a bit of Star Wars. What's your first memory?
2: tiny little snippet in a newspaper and it had a picture of a stormtrooper that you could just see the helmet and then the gun and then the laser beam and i went holy crap this looks awesome so
0: there's no way that guy could shoot a police station
2: uh no no absolutely (laughs) not no and it was just like i then just i mean back in those days this was before the internet you went, looked at every magazine you went... You, you know, it was like, Hey, you kids, get away from those books! Uh, the news agents just trying to find any sort of reference to Star Wars at all. Uh, I subscribed to a, a science fiction magazine in those days, and it mentioned this character called Luke Starkiller, previous the film, obviously. Yeah, so you're, was, you're OG. Uh, so it was, oh yes, real old time, dude. It was real old time. And so every t- television tidbit, every commercial... And then it was back in 77, it was my year 10 maths exam. Okay, me, maths, don't mix. Hated it. I said, screw this. Finished the exam, left. Grabbed a whole bunch of guys. We got on a train and we went into the city, which is about an hour from where I lived at the time. Sounds
0: like your day is the base of we're not going to take it anymore. That's
2: exactly (laughs) right. That was me sticking my head out screaming. And um, I... I remember I had a, a, a friend who was... Uh, he'd only been in Australia for about three months, and he was German. And he just kept saying, It can't be. How can that be? <laughs> All the way through the film. So it was it was awesome.
0: Your friend sounds very annoying to watch a film with.
2: Uh, at the time, it was cool. <laughs> I forgave him that. Um, so...
0: I, I've got this memory of, like you were saying, you, you have to find stuff. I remember seeing in the newspaper when I was very young, seeing a photo of Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones is about yep. to come out. Yeah, And I remember going to my mum, why is, is Han, what's wrong with Han Solo? Is he, is he sick? <laughs> <laughs> he's, I couldn't understand why he hadn't shaved. Why he's
2: old? Why has he got a hat on? Yep. So,
0: yeah, mum had to explain to me that, that Han Solo's... Different person He's doing other adventures yeah. now And I was I was taken aback <laughs> <laughs> It was It was right up there When I She had to explain to me Why um, The space shuttle Didn't have any lasers on it
2: Oh right Okay yep. For me That yep.
0: seemed really irresponsible uh,
2: Yeah Why the heck Why why travel into space If you can't blow the shit Out of something else It just doesn't seem yep. safe
0: You're very OG into it You're an original gangster Hell yeah Which which of the films Are your favourite
2: I've got to say, episode four, just because it turned me from being the geek who got beaten up to the number one go-to guy at school. <laughs> For the second time in my life, it's a, this is a bit of a long story, but the second time in my life, I gave a lecture to teachers. Um, now, I don't know whether you've seen the movie um, The Dish, Australian film. I have. Okay. All right, in the film, you see the mayor and he's sitting there watching TV and there's this little kid, short back inside sitting in front of the television about inches away. And they mention some technical aspect. And he says, what's that, son? And the kid tells him exactly what it was. Well, that was me when I was eight years old. So I was the one that taught my primary school everything that the teachers knew about the moon mission because I knew everything. Nerd alert. (laughs) So when Star Wars came along, it was like I knew everything. I had found every single newspaper clipping, Women's Day...
0: Woman's Day did some great Star Wars well, they coverage. Did.
2: They, they did. No, they did. They did a double page spread. It was like awesome.
0: Princess Leia. Is that a baby bump?
2: Mm, don't know. <laughs> don't know about that. Yeah. But I like that. Yeah. Oh, she's wearing that dress and look at her bum.
0: Oh, they could have done um, Lando and Han in the Carillion outfit. Who wore it better?
2: Uh, oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> have you seen Billy D. Williams lately?
0: I have not, I've heard him, but I haven't seen him. Wow, yeah.
2: Time has not been good to that man.
0: Really? Yeah. I find that hard to
2: believe.
0: He, I, I, I have to think that in a hundred years his corpse would be kind of debonair. <laughs> he is a suave dude. He's actually going to be doing a voice in Star Wars Rebels, I guess, as oh. Lando Carizian. So, Oh, cool. That would be um, there's some Billy D sizzle.
2: Yeah, that'd be all right.
0: So, you were, you were educating the school yep. as um, head nerd. Absolutely. The, 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 the script had been flipped.
2: Oh, yes. I was the one. Yep, I explained everything. And because I was into the special effects, I could actually tell the teachers how they did some of the stuff. So, it was like, yeah, you know, I was, you know, I was the man.
0: <laughs> so, Star Wars. You're going to go lock in Star Wars as your fave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
2: Changed my life, obviously.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's how you got some weird dude from Melbourne on your couch. That's uh, right. It's a beautiful thing. And what about uh, what about scenes? What's your favourite scene of the whole saga?
2: Okay, look, I, I have to say all of them was the uh, lightsaber duel between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. That was just fucking insane. If you had have seen the the stunts that were going to be between Anakin and Count Dooku, which got cut out to put Yoda in, you probably would have liked that more. There was a lot more that you didn't get to see.
0: All right. Let's hold up right there. We've had our first bombshell from the set of Star Wars Episode 2. Dun, dun, dun. So are you telling me that in the original version, or the original script, or one of them, that Yoda didn't fight Count Dooku?
2: Um... We, you know, us plebs, didn't actually know, it, know Yoda was going to be fighting at all. So all the stunt stuff that they were doing, it was just with the three guys. It was, you know, no Yoda. So. Yeah.
0: And so there was way more fighting with Ewan McGregor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And uh, more with Hayden Christensen. Okay. Um, He was, a, in the original stunts anyway, he was much better lightsaber guy than he was. And how did that
0: scene end then?
2: Uh, I, I, didn't, I was only privy to about two sequences, but the sequence that really got me was the, the stunt, uh, stunt guy ran forward, jumped onto a springboard, of course, and did this somersault while two offside prop guys threw him lightsabers, and he caught both of these lightsabers and crossed them against Count Dooku's face. And so, that was that scene where he cuts his head off, the, the that double lightsaber thing was actually in episode two, originally. Really? Yeah, but the stunt was a- insane. It was insane. Couldn't believe this guy could catch two lightsabers. <laughs> that would be...
0: That on itself is impressive. Yeah. Catching yeah. two things at once. Yeah, yeah. At a backflip in.
2: Uh, doing a somersault at the same time. Yeah. You know? And so is that
0: is that on any extra footage nope. or nope. no nope. no documentaries nope.
2: Nope. nope there was this was just a practice with um, uh, Nick Gillard
0: ah, okay yep yep the yep. stunt coordinator yep interesting all right well we'll get to episode two I'm I'm interested in your favourite scene being that you're you know you're a day one Star Wars fan and then yep. your favourite scene is in the most criticised yes. film of the series. Yeah, oh,
2: look, you can ignore the, the whole first film was just a, um, a commercial for merchandising, uh, except for that last scene, which was, you know, it was spectacular. It really was.
0: Except with the bit with the lightsabers. Yeah, well. Nothing to sell there.
2: No, no, nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I bought one, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> I was going to say, you've got one in your cabinet. <laughs> it didn't work, it didn't work. And what about you, who's your favourite character? Well, there's so many. Darth Vader, for me, I mean, the minute he enters the, the Carillion the Cruiser... The runner? Yeah, yeah. It was like, I don't care who else is there. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Although, I mean, at the time, I had, I had hair. I had lots of hair. I could sit on my hair.
0: This must have been a flexible young man.
2: Uh, I was. Uh, I got my hair cut for the first time in years. It was the 70s. Everyone had long hair. And I got the Han Solo cut. Built my made myself a hand Solo uh, costume, built a blaster out of a uh, a camera flash. It oh, was ooh. yeah, <laughs> I so. got right into it. I did. <laughs> what about a background character?
0: Who's your favourite dude out back?
2: Mm, I like Bib Fortuna actually. From from oh. Jedi, he's this creepy. Sleazy dude. Yeah,
0: I liked him. He was cool. <laughs> I'm glad you can relate to the <laughs> the creepy sleazy dude. Yeah. that is that is fantastic. Now let's talk Star Wars Episode Two. Yep. What um had you done like film work before that?
2: Nothing amateur stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, my gr- group of friends that I'm still friends with since high school. We, you know, dabbled with it, but yeah, there was nothing professional about it. I I made models for display models for stores I basically had a portfolio built a set helped a friend with a pilot a science fiction pilot that never went anywhere so Rick McCallum ended up seeing my my portfolio and well I got a job so how how did that occur oh okay a fantastic guy by the name of Jerome Lepre I helped with his first project of three D graphics and anyone
0: he, called Jerome LePlay would have to be an awesome uh,
2: guy. He's an awesome guy, a very intelligent fella, and he basically got got poached by ILM. They came out to Digital Media World. What's Digital Media World? Oh, it used to be a computer show here in Sydney, okay. and it held every year. And what happened is there came a spot where they would show people's show reels, mm-hmm. so they would show the show reels and. Basically, poachers would come out and go, yeah, he's pretty good we'll we'll get him okay. so Jerome got a job at i l m from there um and years gone years went by he did uh he did episode one, he did a big chunk of the pod race um he did the water in the perfect storm. And he got stuck with doing all the water in the pirate movies, which he got sick of. <laughs> just water. Seen one wave, seen them all. all. That's right, yeah. So he talked to Don Bees, if you know Don Bees. He was in charge of models Yep. Um. at ILM. Well, Don basically said to him, well, it's no good talking to me because I'm in charge of R2 now in yep. Sydney. Talk to Rick. So he just blazingly rocked up to Rick McCallum and gave him my portfolio and... I was in this crap job, and Rick called me from the States and said, you want a job? <laughs> no way. So, yep, it was just like that.
0: And, yeah, because I was very interested before, because we sort of briefly met in Melbourne. It's always interesting if people were into Star Wars beforehand. yep. yep. So... So what happens with the day? you What happens when Rick McCallum calls you?
2: Oh, well, as I said, it was a it was a crap job for a um a web development thing, and uh, a good friend of mine, you know, said, uh, "There's a Rick from the states on the phone for you." And I went, N- "I don't know anybody in the states except for Jerome." So I shrugged it off and thought, "Oh, it's a salesman." Yeah, and um. You know, it says, "Oh, hi." He says, "Rick McCallum here," and oh, I crapped. <laughs> I've got this. I've got this big texter on on an A three sheet of paper, and I'm writing Rick McCallum, and I'm holding it up, being really quiet. I'm screaming inside. i my mouth open. "Go to Rick McCallum," to everybody in the office, and I'm casually talking, "Yes, Rick. Oh, yes, I know." <laughs> well,
0: you, you have, there was a huge risk that everyone in the room would go. Who's Rick McCullough? No, 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 no! It was Nerd Central.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody crapped their pants. <laughs> and so, what were you actually hot? What like I, I said, they had, they made no decision at all. The Ty Tiga, who was the props master uh, for um, the the films, and uh, Peter Warpole, who was the set decorator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just met up with them you know for a drink really we went to the swiss arms i think at bondi and um i introduced myself you know walked up to them there's two guys I, I had no idea who they were i didn't i didn't research i should have but the internet was early days again so i didn't research who ty tiger was and um <coughs> you know they said oh well do you want a drink and i went mm, okay yep yeah what what will you have and they were ordering beers and i went oh, i'll have a, have a tequila so they both looked at each other and went, oh, we've got a drinker here. <laughs> we just hit it off. And, uh, you know, I was there for probably two hours. I mean, it was supposed to be a, you know, a meet and greet. Yep. They had a look at my portfolio. The minute they got to the set that I helped design, the spaceship set, they both fought over the portfolio of who got to look at it. And they said, oh, well, we'll call you. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, you know, that's it, really?
0: Yeah, only an Australian could drink himself onto the cast of episode Hell 2. Hell, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like when you got the job officially, were you given a specific role or uh,
2: it was in the props department, which is it was kind of weird. Okay, my nickname for well for 30 years has been Mr. Chicken. It's a long story, don't ask. So when I got to well, There goes my, my next question. Uh, so so when I got to my inverted commas last interview yeah it was at our old showgrounds uh fox studios used to be our showground uh and it was uh, this map uh, of the uh, and, uh, and building 42 which was the furthest from the front gate so i walked in i had to walk past stage one and two stage one was dark and it had a giant elephant in it and i walked past the catering tent and there were can can girls there and it was like this is what Hollywood's supposed to be. (laughs) It was great. There were little, you know, dwarf, you know, women and there were big tall guys and can-can girls and giant elephant. Uh, Moulin Rouge was actually being filmed at the time. (coughs) And Ewan was in amongst there somewhere that I didn't spot at first. I finally got to Building 42 and there's a, a large sign above the old, it used to be the showgrounds, and Building 42, the prop department, was the poultry pavilion i went it's karma i'm, I'm actually supposed to work here <laughs> yeah so i told ty and he laughed his, his head off you know at the time and so that was it i was in the props department now the props department had your prop makers these were all the the professional prop makers uh on the other side of the the factory unit kind of thing was the model department and i was a props dresser and basically a props dresser is here is a box now make it look like it's from outer space. So
0: when you went there for that final interview, it's work had already begun? Uh, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they had, um, oh, I was a bit of a skeleton stuff. It's probably only about a dozen people there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, wow, there was dozens of people, you know, when I started, you know, when I finally started. Yeah. But they, so there was no real props. There was background guns and background backpacks and, and et cetera being built.
0: Now, so you've gone there for your final interview. They've started work. Yep. How do you look at as much stuff as possible oh. while trying to be professional?
2: <laughs> you don't. Oh, I just, I told Ty, I don't care. I'm a fanboy. Get out of my way. You just way. said, my nickname's Chicken. And yep. he's like, ah, just started running around the room. I, I, or? Look, I really felt like it. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I did hold myself back and, and walk sedately, but I I desperately wanted to run from one side to the other. (laughs) It was too much. (laughs) What was your first day at work? like? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone knew what they were doing. This is my first film production. So I was really an outsider. I I knew nothing. I didn't know the politics behind any of this. And it was just uh, I I was starry-eyed and got stuck into it straight away. Uh, We needed to build air conditioning units for um, Tatooine. And it was just build stuff and it was stuff that as an amateur you would scrounge for parts you know this thing was everything was there for you tools etc and of course people would go I need to do this how do I do it and someone else would say oh this is how you do it which was
0: really cool we were sort of talking about this in the car that like a lot of people that build, you know, stuff for themselves yep. and in the fan community have all these amazing tricks. Mm, and, mm. like, did you have anything that you could go, hey, guys, heads uh, up on this? Uh,
2: bucket loads of stuff because everybody there was used to doing things on a, a big budget. Yeah, um, And so was, no, 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 cut corners here. No, you don't need that. Just, you know, use those screws instead of that. So, yeah, there was a bit where I, you know, my... My poor background helped out. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How did you go the night before, actually? I have
2: to- <laughs> oh, no sleep. Forget it. No <laughs> sleep. No sleep. No sleep. At at all. Uh, man, I could hear the ticking clock in the neighbor's house. Yeah, <laughs> was- yeah. And what did you see on the first day? Well, because we were at the far end of everywhere, I actually didn't get to see any of the, the sets whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it was it just all the stuff that was being built, the tables and chairs, the Geonosian chairs um, were being made. I stuck my head in the model shop and was having a look at some of the you know, smaller prop items that were being made there. You know, So first day, not a lot. First day was building my, um, my workbench, actually. It was basically, well, you've got a space. This is your space build a bench ah. is that that's
0: some sort of prop builder's rite of passage I, th-
2: I think so i <laughs> yeah. think so mine was a little far too ornate and being a graphic artist i had this i had my little picture of darth chickens i had this chicken real with a real worried look on its face with the darth vader helmet and i put jedi training center and stapled that to my desk and <laughs> so, so <laughs> everybody'd have a chuckle when they walked past
0: and so as an employee on the set what were you given any guidelines about... Because obviously you want to go check out everything. Like you want to go on the Disneyland tour.
2: No, it was it was strictly from um, 7 till 6. Just work. Lunchtime you can, you know, you get a break. The break was you had to walk for miles to get lunch or you had to bring it along. The catering wasn't there because none of the actors were there yet. For the first two months, I, I, I saw nothing of you know other than the stuff that i knew the bar for the for the nightclub scene you know i helped build that yeah you know and the and the tables uh uh, uh mark barrel one of the other guys and myself we sanded oh, 30 of these tables we looked like popeye afterwards because you know all you're doing day in day out was just sanding these things down
0: I thought you meant because you were squinting. No. You had no. sand in uh, your sand eye. In my yeah.
2: I, I hate sand. It's coarse <laughs> and gets in <into> everything. <laughs> hey, you're,
0: you're partly responsible
2: for that. I know. I, okay. Here's, and here's a funny story. Uh, Hayden was being shown around. We'd built some stuff already. <clears throat> and I was there by my my table. So there there were rows and rows of props some lightsabers, some guns, some stuff. And Hayden was, you know, he's being shown around and, and Ty Teager was showing him this and this is that person's gun and et cetera. And there was a, a lull and the the big wigs were talking to each other and Hayden was just looking around and I just said, you know, hello. And I said, so how do you feel that your face is going to be on every single publication in a year or two? I said, like, There won't be anywhere in the world that someone won't know your face, and he looked at me and smiled, and then I could see the little you know gerbil running in his head, going, "Holy crap!" (laughs) His his face went white, and and he walked away nervously, and I just chuckled, you know, I thought. And the boss came over and goes, "Boy, what the bloody hell did you say to him?"
0: (laughs) So poor Hayden. That's probably what affected his performance the whole time. <laughs> he's talking about how he hates sand, and the, but he's really thinking like, I don't want to be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Help me. Can I put on the mask now, please? Yeah. No. How is that though that, I like it's sort of weird because he's like the one person on the set that,
2: he didn't have that prestige of no, being... not yet. Yeah. That's right. He was the newbie. Even Natalie, okay, was already a star. So yeah. So he was the real new kid on the block. So this was all... I mean, he walked in a daze. He really did um, until well into the shooting. Yeah. Yeah. It was all a, a bit larger. He was used to television. So it's, it's, it's kind of insular and, and small. So this was real big. And did you start to see things, like it must have been
0: very exciting, you know, you are building a lot of stuff, but then to see stuff that you'd recognise from previous films
2: oh, and stuff. Oh, uh, ab- absolutely. You know, it's like, I, I recognise that. You know, I, I know what what that is or what that's going to be. One of the first shots, you know, one, one of the first cabs off the rank was uh, the exploded s- spaceship shot, which I didn't know about, but I, I remember... I didn't see any scripts or anything, but it was like, oh, well, we need all this aircraft debris. So it was actual aircraft parts that we, oxyacetylene, chopped up into pieces and then built some plastic stuff. We filled the truck, and it went onto the set and created the debris, and then they put the stuff back. And uh, sadly, Stephen, lovely man, good truck driver, except for once, put the put the accelerator on instead of the brake. So he reversed very fast... Then realised the brake, hit the brakes, and all the spaceship debris came out of the truck. And there was me and a bollard. So I copped all the spaceship debris (laughs) on me, right? Which was real aircraft parts, okay? Luckily, I didn't get cut, but my arm was in a brace for a a while. Injured on the set. Injured on the set. You're lucky you didn't end up like Corday. Well, She got hit by that debris, and that was it for her. Yeah, that was it. Well, that was the scene. Um, Well... Of course, my, the, the medical people, you know, that, so they rushed me to the nurse's station. And while I'm in ICE, they've got uh, Padme's apartment, and the nurse's station was in stage two. So Padme's apartment, it's up, it was up quite high, big green screen. So there's this black giant room with these sets and all lights hidden behind green screens, and then there's the nurse's station, and then about 10 metres away, there's one makeup station and sitting at the makeup station is Hayden. So I've got my arm in ice, uh, waiting for the nurse to come back and I looked at Hayden and you know it was like, you know, the, the bloke thing, you give him the nod. Yeah. You know, and he nods and then one makeup girl comes over and then she's fussing over him and then another makeup girl and then he's not needing anything, you know, it's not even a touch up. And I'm smiling, I'm thinking, you've got it made, dude. And he looked over at me, and then we both went, yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) you've been covered in debris
0: on one of the biggest films of all time. Were there any lawyers
2: involved? (laughs) Nothing at all. Now, I... I went to my own medical guy he said no you're gonna have to take a week off because you know it's, it's damaged you know i can't take a week off and, at Star and i Wars. said yeah it was like like hell i am <laughs> so i rock up the next morning with mom in this brace and they got bandage and everything and and rick and george actually accosted me on the way to where i was supposed to be you know hi you know you're doing okay i mean they were they were nice as pie. They were really, so it was, really nice. It was a bit of an event. This absolutely, yeah. You know, I mean, it was it was spot on for yeah. me. It was like because I couldn't, I didn't have both hands. You know, I I couldn't actually do any more props dressing. I'd been there for a few months anyway, so they shifted me into the photographic department because I used to be a photographer in a previous incarnation, and mm-hmm. uh, so I was then the props liaison to the photographic department. So then, well, then I got to play with everything.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you were the given the sweet job so you don't sue us
2: liaison. Well, well maybe that and maybe not. Look, I, I, I actually did a fair amount of work in the, the photographic department. It was helpful to know how delicate or how not delicate the props were and, you know, how the, to help with the photography. So, you know, it was kind of a better job for me anyway.
0: Okay, well, that bodes the question, what did you
2: accidentally break? I, I, I didn't accidentally break anything. Nothing at all. Okay. But what I did do is repair. Uh, we got uh, Django Fett's backpack. It had been jostled around. They said, oh, we're going to have to build another one. And I went, no, you don't. Glenn to the rescue. So I repaired that. And uh, some of the maquettes. So we had the maquettes from uh, episode one of uh, Watto. And then the, the creatures from the arena. And all of them did not make the trip from the States to here. In one piece. So, I repaired all those for the, the art, art department to start working with. How is it on when you watch the film and
0: you see that scene with, at the start of um, Attack of the Coins where the ship bro- blows up and you see your debris, yep. does that crack you out of the
2: seat? Like, A- absolutely. When I see the big, huge turbine part, because I remember... It was in my face <laughs> and so I go, Ooh, I flinch a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you were mentioning to me before that you
0: had to unpack like a lot of stuff like from the seventies.
2: Yep. It was the, the the suit that Anthony Daniels wore was the the actual one from the seventies, the the three PO suit, um, and Justin Dix repainted to to make look, you know, clunky. Um, uh, but my my favourite or not favourite part was the Tuscan Raider helmet. I unpacked that, and that was probably the first time it had been unpacked since the seventies. So it had this funky aroma that that could kill a small village. Uh, it had mold inside. It was. Yeah, pretty rank. You thought they smelt bad on the outside. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But it was still to actually unwrap and hold this thing. It was like, this is what changed my... The course of my life changed, and this is an item that did it. Yeah. And I was the first person to hold it again. Great. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: (laughs) With your uh, vintage mold. Uh, My vintage mold, that's right. Now, uh, what was it like... And and was there a change of vibe on at the studios when filming began and there was famous a- ab- absolutely. people? Absolutely.
2: Were- In the props department anyway, it was like, it was really full on, you know, it was getting things ready for the sets. And then it was, you know, the set decorating. At the time, where I would have lunch was Padme's apartment. So I looked after that. So I would have the vacuum cleaner out. I would yell at the tradies if they came through and the the chippies doing something. So that was my little abode. That's where I hung out. That's probably where I'd like to have lunch myself. It was nice, actually. <laughs> what was the
0: vibe on? Like, you know, like *Phantom Menace* is one of the most successful and derided films of all time. Yeah. Was it like? What was the vibe like on the set? Was it like, oh, we're going to nail it with this one, or it was you couldn't tell? Or uh,
2: look, I, I I'll be perfectly honest with you because it was my first experience on a film set. It was heaven, you could have shot me then, I would have been... I'm satisfied my life is now... You could have covered me in debris. Absolutely. I I mean, my third week, I had a shopping trolley in the warehouse where we stocked all the bits and pieces to make other things, and I'm humming, and Kerry Van Bart asked me, she goes, why are you so happy? And I just looked at her and went, they're paying me to do this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So you did you pick up any, like, if there was concerns that fed back into the first film
2: or? N- none at all. None yeah. at all. It's really, everyone had a ball. I yeah. mean, it was fun. I mean, the, the nightclub scene, it was winter here, so it was frigidly cold. But even the, the girls who were so scantily dressed, they were still really hyped up. It was, yeah. you know, it was, it was really excitement plus. Did you
0: see much of Ahmed Best? Who yes, I did. Who
2: Jar Jar Binks? A great deal of Ahmed. I'm fascinated. I'd love to talk, uh, just to see how that affected him. He was really good about it. and And I'll be honest with you, because I was probably one of maybe three of the thousands that worked there were fanboys. You know, there was, you know, no one that was working there gave him a hard time about it. And I never did. You know, it was like, dude, you did your job. I wouldn't <clears> imagine <throat> that anyone would actually go up to him. Oh, bet, bet just if there was like, yeah, putting on the head again. Well, uh, he, look, he was the voice of Yoda as well. So he did all the voiceover for Yoda on stage. Uh, and, oh, it was like at, a temp track. Yeah, so, and he just yeah. did the temp track. Uh, so every time Yoda was there, and he, there was a fair bit, of, fair bit of Yoda. So he did the voice for that too. So there was no problems with him. And he was a great guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, I really liked him. I'd love, yeah, to talk to, just to see... Just how that, do you
0: know
2: what I mean? Like, it's the yeah. most
0: exciting thing of all time. You're in this film, you're this yep. new
2: character, and yep. then the next day it's... We all hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, seriously, he didn't get... It. Uh, none of the times I spoke to him, uh, I got that impression from anybody. How's his Yoda? Oh, uh, not bad. Frank Ozzy isn't, but not bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're saying you were one of, like, three or four
0: fanboys
2: yep. on the set.
0: Yep. Did anyone overstep the mark to get fired? Because yeah, yeah. that well, would be a big concern. Well,
2: I don't know about being fired because there was there was one guy, and I, I, I said a little earlier, um, Marco Nero, who I thought was the one, was not. He's a very talented artist, and, and I'm apologizing to you, Marco, <laughs> um, because I blamed him, but it was someone um, that was stalking rick mccallum um and was so crazy that he climbed the roof of one of the buildings and then hung down upside down to look into the makeup department which freaked the girls out so he had a a wanted poster in the in the security (laughs) booths um there it was like the old west do not let this man in sort of thing so that was the only you know thing there and what was, what was security like on, on the set? Pretty full on. Yeah. Uh, you, you couldn't, no one could get past the, the front gate. Uh, and then you had a security card that had to have your photo, um, which I had an alien face in place. <laughs> um, no one got away with it but, but me. <laughs> um, and then there were areas where, you had, again, you had to show your ID to get further into the, the place. And then there were swipe cards to, to get other entries. Like, is a lot different now, but we're getting so
0: many leaks from the set. There was all those photos from maybe the Tatooine set, yep. we don't know. And if, just recently, if you check our Facebook and many other Star Wars sites, there was, I'm not sure if you've seen this, there was an amazing photo, an aerial photo of half, half a Millennium, Millennium Falcon, Falcon and, and an and the X-Wing. Wing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa! Yeah. I was just like... It's this that little squeal moment. Oh, I've seen it. Just seeing it outside, yeah, was so cool. Yeah, yeah, so it was a different time technologically. Absolutely. Strangely enough, a Japanese tourist with a digital camera managed to put a shot of one of the starfighters um, online, and there was this massive scream and grasp to get everything out, out, and a- away from you know anyone that could take photos. So um, there was uh, the uh, Jedi starfighter, and so. I raced up and uh, with a, about eight guys to move this thing indoors. And the canopy was a very heavy Perspex canopy. So I decided instead of slamming that down, I'd jump in and move the stick that was special effects holding it open. Space stick. A Space stick, that's it. So when I moved the space stick, uh, I could lower the, the canopy down, but it was too heavy for me to lift up. So the guys thought it was really funny that they'd wheel me. Into the stage, so I was, you know, taxiing, and I was like waving like the Queen inside the Starfighter, and that's what pegged me to sit in every seat
0: on set, every the seat single, tour. every single seat. The fact that you've been in the Jedi Starfighter, that's pretty cool.
2: That is, look, I, I was worried about it was, you know, getting getting the job done, but once we got going, and I went, haha ha, funny guys, you know, and then it was like, hey, this is. I'm in this, this is, I'm in a spaceship, hell yeah. Yeah. What was, what would have been,
0: like with, you know, like I'm not sure of the sense of fun on set and stuff, but if you had gone past sitting in the Jedi Starfighter and George and Rick
2: McCullum walked past? Um, George might have looked quizzically, but I know Rick would have just laughed and waved back. (laughs) (laughs) So how quick
0: was that transition from these photos are online
2: like it's, it sounded the way you said it it sounded hours. like hours it was hours it was basically someone said they've got a photo and then they were you know it was this, this grass to figure out what happened and then this discovery was that the shot was taken from the other side of Fox and it was you know it was like literally maybe two hours maybe two and a half hours and anyways. so
0: it wasn't like from now on it was action stations it let's action go action
2: stations get everything in yep. in now yep Yep. wow. Was
0: there many other things that happened online that affected, like the set?
2: Th- there was there were some shots that you know, of some of the stars. Ewan, you, you um, I think there was one there that was taken from uh, some flats that were nearby that um, people were taking from the you know with telephoto lenses, and that they basically scoured the area to find out where the good spots were, and then asked the building you know managers to not let people onto the roof and did they agree with that or most of them did I think they probably got you know you can come to the premiere okay cool yeah you gotta gotta sweeten the pot gotta get some action out of that yeah hell yeah I'd thought about doing this but
0: I didn't probably sounds like it's for the best were there many cases of people
2: like trying to sneak in not a chance the security was that it was that tight. there was one place and one place only to get in that was a one boom gate, and I'm telling you no wouldn't happen really <laughs> wouldn't have happened so it would have been a very sad drive from Melbourne it, about- it would have been a very sad drive well, it just depends actually <laughs> it, you know, it just depends because if if someone took pity on you, uh, you know they might have taken you in and shown. You have something, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I if I had been there, I would have, you know, I would have. I mean, I, I, my friend Alex Scali, who worked at Animal Logic at the time that was in Fox Studios, um, uh, I encouraged him to get into the industry. Yeah, damn fool. He's working at ILM in Singapore now. Uh, I oh, gave great. him a tour. I asked and said, "Look, I've got this friend. He's here on set. He's doing effects." you know, can I show him some stuff during lunch hour? And they and they said, just don't take him into that stage and that stage. So um, we went into stage two and I walked him up the gangplank of um, Count Dooku's solar sailor. Oh, nice. And he was over the moon. Exactly. As you would be. The Did you get to see anything get filmed? Yeah, absolutely, because um, I was with the photographers. Um, so, so the arm thing in the end got you oh, to, blessing. to see better stuff. A- absolutely. It was a blessing. I mean, my okay, my first set visit was with the assistant property master, Lon Lucini, brilliant guy. I can never say more nicer words about the man. Brilliant and talented too. Uh, we had to go on set and the set was uh, the council um, area and the little floating, you know, booths that they were in. Uh, Ian um, was... Uh, in in McDermott, uh, he was in um, one of these tall things. It was about twenty feet in the air, and I looked up, and went, "Oh, it's it's, it's Ian, yeah, yeah. And Lon said to me because he didn't know Star Wars. He goes, "Is he someone important?" <laughs> and I said, "I said he's the he ends up being the emperor. He ends up being the big big bad guy." Well, when I said big big bad guy, Ian must have heard it because he looked down at me. And he had this stern look, and then he just slowly pointed his finger at me, (laughs) and I shrank. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my very first... This is the first scene. This is the first set I'd ever been in my life, and I got Ian the Emperor to point at me. Wow. Awesome. That is awesome. What other scenes did you get to see, Phil? Uh, I got to see um, most of the battle scene between um, Obi-Wan and Jango Fett in the rain, and that was just it was water it was uh, probably about 10 degrees outside and inside it must have been about 30 and hot and wet and steamy and it was awful so there's all like rain machines and yep, stuff yeah the entire roof of the stage was just rain i mean you are seeing you're really seeing real water real rain finally yeah yeah it was yeah that was not cg <laughs> it was real rain yeah and what was that like to watch oh uh, for me every aspect even a camera turnaround for me is fascinating yeah so it was it was brilliant oh there was okay i'll tell a funny story about the photographer i'm not going to dob him in but he knows who he is uh my first day official on a set i had a lens and i stood and he, he stopped me here he says now stand here He says, i'll come and get the lens in a minute and he wandered off and so i'm like an idiot holding a lens and i look to the right of me and there's george lucas sitting on his director's chair with a big plasma screen and then on my left is rick mccallum and he's sitting in his producer's chair with a big plasma screen and i'm just going shut up you're my rock i'm a rock you can't see me i don't exist so we're watching a film they watching um ewan he's getting ready and george goes and and as he says action from behind the green screen, somewhere it comes. Now, back in those days, your little Nokia phones, you had to have this really silly tone. Um, anyway, so it was Star Wars, so everyone broke up and laughed. <laughs> uh, Ewan Ewan was beside himself. He's hilarious. Anyway, they so they reset, and the scene went on, and and I'm there, and I'm waiting, and then I'm waiting, and it's an hour then we're doing the next set and i can't move and rick and george haven't budged except for george walking up and saying you know waking up urine saying ewan and he go, oh that was someone's phone wasn't it so eventually you know we quit for lunch i went back to the photographic studio i went to the you know the the photographer at the time and said where are you and he goes um I said, was that your phone? And he goes, yeah. I said, where did you go? He says, I dropped to my stomach. I crawled underneath the green screen and ran out as fast as I could.
0: (laughs) Now, I have been to people's houses in Sydney. Mm -hmm. And they've had various, of varying sizes, props. I've, I've been to a house that had a door. Yeah. What was this,
2: like, were there people dumper diving or... Um, I didn't didn't see it. I didn't see it at all because um, they actually had a ceremony because the guys in the props department knew I was a fanboy. They actually had the two tallest guys, the big burly guys in props, hold me down while they made me watch them burn plans. In, in a ceremony so oh, these are the plans for you know the jedi council and they burnt them in front of me so i didn't get to see any of that the the one item i really liked was the um the dining room table uh between anakin and padme it was beautifully made i couldn't get a truck because i was i was really gonna have that but we i couldn't get a truck so i had with another gentleman by the name of George, had to actually smash it. Oh. Took us forty-five minutes to break up this table, <sighs> and it was like every stroke. I, I mean, I cried; it was sad. And so, were they checking people's bags on the way out? No, you know, no, because as I said, there was only probably that I knew there was only three real fanboys there that really would have wanted to take anything.
0: But you've also got to think that. Even if you're not into Star Wars, you might realise this is going to be worth
2: something. Can okay, I'll give, you, I'll give you a secret here. Okay, every prop had a little scratch on it, and it had um, uh, a little sticker of an arrow. And then what would come out is a little tiny vial, and a person would take a digital photo of that prop with that scratch. And on the scratch was put, Propriety uh, Lucasfilm DNA. So the photograph would say this is where you'd look to identify or authenticate that it's a Lucasfilm prop. So if you tried to sell something and someone tried to verify it by connecting to that DNA, it would go to the FBI and they'll come and get you. So whoever if anybody took anything, there's no selling it. Yeah, okay. You know and so what, that's on everything, or everything. I, there was a, there was three people, and that's all their job was, is they would go through and find a nondescript area and put this DNA on, and then take a digital shot of okay. the prop. And what do you mean by DNA? You you can actually purchase uh, DNA. It's it's unlike a you know a marker. Oh, it's oh, oh so you're
0: actually saying
2: DNA? Yeah, DNA. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, just a string of chemicals. This in, this instructions. This many, you know, G A T A G. Yeah, and that's the Lucasfilm DNA.
0: Wow, that is that's so security. futuristic. Yeah, yeah, but
2: that's security.
0: And what scene? I, I guess you know maybe the the rain scene. But what scene did you sort of one you once you saw it at the
2: cinema? Did you go what? The arena surprised me because that was so nondescript. There were just these posts in the blue screen i mean it literally was there was dirt on the ground there were three posts and it was all green screen yeah so to see all of that that was pretty amazing and and of course seeing the the um, clone troopers which there was never a suit made you know they were all cg oh i've I've
0: mentioned this before on the podcast yeah but there's nothing that annoys me more yeah Than george lucas bragging on the commentary that we didn't have a single clone trooper. Yep. It's just like, well, in 76, you made a bunch of Stormtrooper outfits. It mustn't have cost that much, and it looked pretty sick. Yep, yeah. Instead of these frosty, like... It, it. It's so weird that, like, the old way, which it seems like they're going back to for yeah, episode yeah, seven. Doing, yeah. Like, how can the old way be more expensive than doing it on a computer like
2: well i mean you know if you're doing one such as charger um that's um that's expensive but when you're cloning them that's the word in in cg yeah when you're cloning you know 50 of them then you go well hang on yeah i can make 50 clone troopers and do all the effects as opposed to building one suit you know and that's basically the cost yeah. So uh, so it's just far cheaper to do it that way which you know it's kind of sad for us but
0: So it is cheaper to do it on the computer you think?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. If you if you've got one character it's more expensive. If you have got three characters it's it's about the same price. If you hit 50 characters then CG's the way to go. For the big scenes. Mm-hmm. But just when there's like two st- Yeah, it surprised me when It just looked
0: Yep. I can't see how it can be cheaper when I go to Comic-Con and people have made their own suits. Do you yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like it's it, it just, it, it just really frustrated and, me.
2: And time consuming too. I mean, once the suit's made, so you don't have to make any more. There's no molds. There's no, you're not paying actors. You're not paying extras. Uh, but do you have to pay the computer guy to like animate it and interact it with Natalie Portman? Well, but that's, you know, really easy to do as opposed to getting, you know, you're not having to feed them and, you know, at the end of the day it's pretty simple and then, you know, they're a little subroutines. so in, they don't go, I'll move each foot this step and that step it's a, just a string, it's a copy and paste, walk okay? yeah. copy and paste to there to there Okay, well, maybe it is cheaper, but it doesn't look as good No, it sucks I mean, I looked. I I, I looked, um, and I did actually find something that I thought was this is a stu- stormtrooper chest plate, but it looked like a jetpack, and it was in Studio Kite, and it was um, from the movie um, Red Planet. <laughs> it, oh. was, <laughs> it wasn't from our production. <laughs> I got shooed away from that that little studio. Go away.
0: So when you're saying, you know, like the, the Geonosian arena and just how it was so blue screened, yep. do you have, like obviously you literally lived the dream. Oh, yeah. But when you see the set photos from episode seven, you sort of go,
2: oh. Yeah, if only. Like, you know, like the, the, looking at the Falcons, like, oh, no, yeah, oh, come on. You could have had the Falcon. <laughs> just, no, you know, please, just a little, Yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah. And what about? We talked about your
0: first day. Yeah. What about that sad final day?
2: Oh, devastation. It was a mad dash to take as much money I could out of out of my bank to go and buy everybody's t-shirts that I could get. So I got, you know, a jacket from props department. I've got a jacket from uh, photography uh, photography and docos. Uh, I couldn't snafu one from the R two department. I got one from construction. Um So it, are know, these like you're buying them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cast members. Uh, but, but people get, yeah, I mean you know, I, I, I bought, you know, one for my, my wife and um uh, and myself for the jacket and I bought one for the Jerome, you know, in I L M because, mm-hmm. you know, he did me a favour. Uh but yeah, so everybody was basically getting oh they'd they'd get ten shirts and then they'd sell the shirts off. Yeah. So and it was it was just too hard to get so I didn't get many. Uh, of, of the shirts which were disappointing but it was like you know it was it really it was really really sad but that night the rap party was on so i left at six and and i hit the town with my friends we celebrated oh boy we celebrated um and the rap party didn't start till oh, 10 so i was well and truly tanked so I got to the the rap party, um, and uh, I'm shattered already. <laughs> and then my friends, hey, come on, you know, yeah, okay, come up to the bar. And I went, oh, and I got my wallet out, you know. And they went, no, 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 you, you, it's it's all paid for. And the guy, so the bartender said, so what would you like? And I said, see that top shelf? Start from the left, and I'll tell you when I'm stopping. <laughs> so I got... How have, you got out of the job was how you got into the job. Oh, it was, it was shocking. Um, I fell over, and it was really crowded uh, I, and I fell over and I thought I'm going to get trampled and these arms picked me up and lifted me up An armoured best lifted uh, look I'm 5 foot 5 I'm short so he picks me up like a baby doll and he shakes me he goes hey little bunnies you've got to be careful <laughs> puts me down and pushes me on my way so. <laughs> so that's the memory of my last day
0: you got so drunk that Jar Jar Binks had to pick he you up he saved
2: me yep that's right <laughs> <laughs> One of my low points there <laughs> <laughs> is,
0: is the rap party why you weren't in episode three
2: ah uh, no no i was I was so busy with with life in general. the film industry was dying um you know the, the, it was not doing well after that and they and basically we built nearly everything for episode three anyway. Okay. You know there was a lot of uh, bigger sets, but as opposed to the props, no, we, you know, most of it I archived. I came back later that uh, that later in the year, and I archived uh, all the gear. So, so I missed out, but I came back for some of it. Oh, and so the, you did a, come back for a little bit. A little. bit, That was the archive. That was like film was long done. The Matrix Two, I think, was just about to move in, mm-hmm. and so we had to get stuff out and archived or destroyed. That was the the sad part. <clears throat> that is sad. Uh, you, know, you know, people like us, it was devastating. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it really was devastating. Of course, I would go home and so the family would say, you know, why are you not so happy? You know, it's like, I, I can't tell you. I mean, <laughs> my contract's this thick. And, and in, in the contract, my very first contract, it actually says, you know, you may not divulge, you know, anything to anyone in the known universe that is in my contract in the known universe, which you know I thought you know, was really
0: cool. did you follow much of the rumors
2: online and 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 see how they correlated with what was happening? um some and it was funny it was a chuckle uh, it was murder not being able to say anything I mean I really couldn't you know I really couldn't say anything um to even the family. You know, it was just like, you know, it was always no comment. You know, no comment. I can't comment on that. <laughs> but did
0: you sort of see, like, how... Because at the moment we get all these little, you know, rumours about Episode 7 and it's like, well, that could be someone just seeing one thing and totally misinterpreting yeah,
2: it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, the one thing is, is that no one but the for, uh, the um, uh, the the crew on the set... Um. In Italy, so no one in Australia, uh, bar me and the photographer and the security guard, saw Anakin's hand. Now, the hand came to the photographic studio in a box, and a man with a black outfit and a gun. (laughs) That was you know it was like wow and it was like what's this and he goes well it's got to be photographed so no one knew cuz it was it was filmed in italy yeah and i uh, uh, you know it was opening that box and this shiny golden articulated you know hand uh, that was brilliant yeah <laughs> that was some fun you know i got to see that christopher lee okay christopher lee was always my idol uh, the dracula hammer films in the 70s that was the thing for me so meeting him was superb. One story I've got is he was standing there in his Camp and he looked like a. He was very frail. He's a very old man, you know. Sue Adler, the photographer, she used to be the photographer for the Royal Ballet. She said, Christopher, darling, she said, Christopher, can you give me the look? And so Christopher turned away and then he turned back. And he had. It was. The, the old man was not there. It was this. Towering monster um was in front of me I mean Paul one of the photographers leant forward and he said, I think I just wet my pants <laughs> <laughs> It was just that chilling and and at that moment it was like, man, this guy was just really you know really good and Ewan was always funny on set, but he was hilarious in the photographic studio. Uh, we become kind of good mates, so I never got his autograph because I felt really funny <laughs> about it yeah um but he would—he uh, was the funniest guy. And always, we had a chance to bring our family on set. They had to sign non-disclosure things, but they we had to have them. And Ewan was working on his Harley. Now, he wasn't allowed to ride it, but he was allowed to tinker with it. So he's fixing it.
0: So he wasn't allowed to ride it because of insurance. Insurance, yep. that's
2: right. And so I had my kids, and my daughter was about 16 at the time. And so we're walking up, and my little six-year-old said, Who's that? And I said, oh, That's Obi-Wan. So, of course, my little son, he goes, Oh, hi, Obi-Wan. So Ewan stood up, and he was really happy. He'd come over, hello, you little fella. My wife's nudging my daughter, Rhiannon, poor darling. And she's going, Say hello. And so she's going, Because up, 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 it's Ewan McGregor. And he Hello, young lady, how are you? Up, up. So, anyway, the next week, Something falls off his costume, and it's a tiny little uh, pen top, painted gold. And he goes, I need another one. And he he goes, he went to throw it away, because it was, you know. And then he went, and he looked at me, and he goes, you give this to your young daughter. He said, I'm sure she'll appreciate it. So I came home, and, you know, hello, how are you? And I said, oh, look, I said, I've got this little thing. I said, it's a Jedi food pouch. Yeah, that's what... And my daughter took it off my hands and saw that it was just a pen top with, you know, painted. She went, oh, like this. And then I said, Ewan asked me to give it to you. And the look on her face, and she clenched her hand and clutched it to her breast, and then she picked up the telephone and crawled into her bedroom and then probably called every girlfriend (laughs) she had. So, Ewan always asked me how my daughter was. Oh, that's awesome.
0: And then she set up a very profitable eBay account. No, No.
2: Not a chance. Did they have like a screening for you guys to go watch the film? Yes, yes. Um, I've actually got the invitation you, you saw in my collection. And it was awesome. I mean, it, it didn't matter that it wasn't a great film because I saw my. My There's not often you get to see your name bigger than most rooms. Okay, there it was. And my. <laughs> it was funny because. My boys, they liked it. You know, it was Star Wars and they were really happy. And my wife was, you know, just looking appreciative. And my daughter stood up and she goes, Daddy, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool, man.
0: Was that just for Australian crew? or
2: it was, yeah, Australian crew. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, I think they had two days of it because there were so many people. What did you think of it? At the time, I went, wow. It, for me, it was like, wow, those seats are made of wood and they look really comfortable. And that set was nothing it was two sticks and a blue screen and so seeing what got out of it this is great you know it wasn't until you know the euphoria wore off and then you watched it went could have been better (laughs) just a little bit better
0: so it is it for you the hardest episode to watch
2: just to get caught up in because um no no none of them are i mean jar jar really annoys me in the first film but you know um you know, cutting him out would be great. But th- the first film was, you know, episode one was okay. But no, I can just get absorbed into them okay. all the time.
0: So even on the sets that you worked on, you don't get jarred out of it or anything like uh, that? No,
2: actually, it's more, for me, uh, you know, the uh, a lot of people get jaded by the, knowing the mystery. Yep. Um, but for me, it just enhances the joy, saying, that was, you know... D- d- Two boxes, you know, and a green screen, and now look at what it is. Now that's brilliant. I, I, I love it. I once got towed around in that Jedi Starfighter. <laughs> I could say I sat in that. Oh, that was uncomfortable. Couldn't fit in that, you know. And one of my lovely pieces. There are hexagonal blinking lights in the garage, in the the um, uh, Skywalker garage, and I worked for weeks on those, and they CG'd them over. Ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We didn't even talk about that. What was it like? That's a Star
0: Wars set.
2: Man, I was like a pig in shit. When, oh, this is over here, and I know that's where he does this, and then this is, that. you know, it was like, wow. Like that,
0: I'd have to, because it's always like that thing of, it, it's, it'd be very exciting, I imagine, to yep. be on, on any Star Wars set. Yeah. But to have it and and kevin smith has talked about this to have it to be on a star wars set and it's in context Yeah, that's, that's you're right like yeah you know, you when know, he wa- hey, he's got that that clip of him walking on memory. the millennium falcon yeah yeah and so to be in the the, the, the skywalker yeah, that, garage that was
2: something else that was absolutely something else it, it really was what was that like when you first saw it boy it's smaller than i remember <laughs> okay so it really was. I, was like, you know, I really thought it, it it was bigger, but it's all camera angles. And um, but then it was like that that just that moment where you know you would walk to one area and go, "This is exactly where the camera was," and three POs there, and the space hoppers there, and you know, you you knew you knew what that was. Was there an oil bath? Yes, yes. It wasn't filled. <laughs> <There> was <nothing. laughs>
0: I would have been, if it was filled, I would have been getting little vials of <laughs> oil out.
2: <and laughs> oh, Look, the temptation to do stuff like that was, was was very present there. It was very, oh, no one will miss this. Uh, when I was archiving, uh, I had found a, uh, a hero prop. Now, there's a difference between an onset prop and a hero prop. A hero prop is nice and close up. You don't let the talent play with it much because they break things. Um, that's the difference between actors and talent. Anyway, um, and I found someone had secreted away a hero Obi-Wan lightsaber. And I went, well, someone's put that there, and that's not supposed to be there. So someone's obviously decided they wanted it more than George did. And I thought, well, that's not right. And I thought, they're not here, and, well, no one knows it's here. So I'll wrap it up, and I'll put it somewhere else else and i might take that home and so i went straight from the the warehouse to the office and lon lachini the assistant property master said look i can't be in the warehouse all the time because i'm doing paperwork and he put his hand on my shoulder and looked me in the eye and he said i need someone i can trust to handle everything there Uh, i was crestfallen because no, nah, damn it I'm too honest a guy so I went and picked it up and said I found this, re it and put it somewhere. So. I reckon you just got a Jedi mind trick done oh, on you. I tell, I tell you what I mean to this day I sit back and go why? No one would have known but yeah, no, nah, too honest. It would be very sad
0: that the film comes out and it's like, why isn't your name in the credits? There was an incident. Yeah, there was, there
2: was an incident. <laughs> Just a tiny one.
0: (laughs) How do you wrap all that up? Like, it it sounds like an an amazing experience.
2: Oh, uh, look, everybody asked me, they said, so where to now? And I went, well, as far as I'm concerned, it's all downhill. You cannot work on a childhood dream and go any further, you know. Uh, I worked on a couple of Australian productions. Um, I worked on a a failed pilot with Billy Zane um, a year later. Which I had great fun, and I was a department head, um, which was you know kind of nice. And the difference between an Australian budget and an American budget is astronomical. Mm-hmm. An Australian budget is, are you sure you need two blue ballpoint pens? And in, and an American budget is, uh, you need that drum? Well, well, we'll get ten just in case. You know, mm-hmm. it's like oh, okay. <laughs> it was I, well, I. need I. You know I need to build this. And it's this sort of you know drum, and it's a hundred dollars for that drum. Oh, okay, and ten arrived at your desk the next day. It's like that. It was great. What are your hopes for episode seven? For episode seven, I'm hoping that JJ gets back to the the original four, five, and six, the feel of it all. Um, maybe less lens flares, and no Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> George caught the he, he caught the bug off Steven Spielberg who could do it. Steven knew how to get cute and not get ridiculous. Yeah. And George never quite got it. He tried it with the Ewoks, failed miserably. Tried we, won't, it with we won't have any negative I know we will not Ewok- we <laughs> any good Ewoks on a spit. Um, no, we won't ins- insult your Ewoks. I, I should, <laughs> just following up from, I think it was last
0: episode, I did warn Jacqueline that there was a, a few ewoks getting ebayed to her i get my american <laughs> ebay thing sent to her apartment and then when i go i can i can bring back there'll all the stuff there'll be a massive collection of ewoks and she posted a photo on instagram today of six ewoks all in a box just like no steal there Stealed. needs to be an intervention Stealed. no more ewoks <laughs> yeah,
2: it's time for an intervention
0: and then everyone underneath on the instagram post is like oh they're so cute though oh no no
2: love oh, the ewoks no but anyway so so george Didn't learn his lesson. The only comedy relief that a Star Wars needs is Threepio and R2. And that's it. Leave it there. Everything else runs fine. Oh, Han Solo. He's pretty funny. Yeah, dry humour, but, you know, for the mainstay. But getting cutesy little animals and some dumb Jamaican, (laughs) you know, iguana. No. Bad. (laughs) 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 Fail. I mean, even what's his name? Lando's co-pilot. Nim-num. He's like, what the hell? What the hell were you thinking? What he was- the hell is that? A snotty-nosed little alien thing. Yeah, it was not good. I love <laughs> <laughs> He
0: was so stoked when that shield went down. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming oh, and, cool. and, and sharing your stories. It's been super fun. Excellent. Now I know why Ronnie Chang was so amped up about you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, no, no. He just wanted to have a go, go at that white guy in the front row. <laughs>
0: and thank you so much, guys, for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe in iTunes. It's free, and you get every episode as soon as they become available. And while you're in there, you can write a sweet. 5 Star Review. It helps bump us up the rankings and gets more people onto the podcast. And while we're talking about that, please pod it forward. If you have a uh, friend that enjoys Star Wars, uh, let them know that we're doing some good stuff here. Let's grow and uh, let's see where we can take this podcast. We'll do more good things for free each week for you guys. If you're out of podcasts, you need something to listen to, I do a comedy podcast. I Love Green Guide letters, and that goes up every week. And if you're in Melbourne, I'll be doing my new stand-up show, Steel Saunders Bitter Sweet, this week as part of the Melbourne Fringe, the 17th to the 21st of September at the Imperial Hotel. There's uh, links for that on the site. And a live I Love Green Guide letters, my other podcast, on the 20th of September, also the Imperial, and I believe there's about five tickets left. For that one, if you are in LA, I'll be doing a live I Love Gringo Letters at the LA Podcast Festival on the 27th of September. It's a huge event for podcasting. They've got Mark Marin, we've got Will Anderson, we've got Dave Anthony. It is going to be really cool. So check that out at lapodcastfest.com. If you want to follow all the news and little clips I post up throughout the week on Facebook, it is facebook.com forward slash this isn't the pod. And on Twitter, it is twitter.com forward slash this isn't the pod. Uh, if you want to follow me personally, that is awesome. I am Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter address, and then forward slash Steel Saunders, S T E L E S A U N D E R S. If you'd like to support the podcast and get a free Audible book, you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash letters and you can get a free audiobook from Audible. There are tons of Star Wars books up there that uh, can get read out to you. It's a lot easier than having to uh Read a book, you can do it in the car, much like a podcast. It's a free one-month trial. You can unsubscribe in the first month. And uh, they still kick us some sweet cash to pay the bills to keep the podcast going. <laughs> if people want to find out or get in contact or follow you on any social media, do you have anything like that?
2: I'm on Facebook. The name's Glenn Sheridan. I mean, you can say hi. Yeah, that's about it. No Twitter.
0: What a humble set dresser you are. Oh, well, that's me. <laughs> May the force be with you. I may
2: the force be with you.